Hi, this is Matthias, and today I speak with Antonello Schiavo, who is 30 years old and living in Poland. He is originally from Italy and moved to Poland to work there at Google. In this episode, we talk about his path from saving nothing for several years until he finally kept 15k in 2019. We also talk about his retirement plans, Airbnb and real estate in Poland. I'm really happy to connect with the community in Poland, and if you want to connect with them too, click the link in the show notes to find out more. Hope you enjoy this case study with Antonello as much as I did. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the FI Europe podcast. Uh, today, we plan to have or to host a little case study from somebody who reached out to us who lives in, in Poland currently. It's uh, Antonello. Say hi, please. Yep. Hi, everyone. I'm Antonello Schiavo. Yeah, so Poland is also one of the countries we have. We do not represent too. We haven't in the past, we haven't represented too much. So that's why it's really cool that, to have somebody here and to get some insights also from the, from the country. What's different maybe, what opportunities are there. And also what what Artunello's story is, um, because it's maybe not as not a typical story because of your background. So um, maybe tell us a little bit about you, uh, Antonello, and maybe also how you find out about FI and and what your development was in the recent years. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matthias, for the intro. So uh, basically, as I was uh, mentioning before, so my name is Antonello Schiavo, and I'm uh, from Italy, 31 years old. So from Italy, basically, I grew up in a small city in the center of Italy. It's called Sulmona, like, you know, with 25,000 citizens. And uh, after, you know, my Erasmus in Poland, I decided to, to move permanently from Italy to Poland. So and right now I'm uh, living in Krakow and I moved to Poland uh, f five years ago. Exactly. Right. So I'm currently working for Google in Krakow as a operation manager, so a sales operation manager. And basically, my journey to financial independence started actually in 2019 when I started to discover, okay, how can I save money? So it basically started from the saving part. And then after the saving part, you know, I started to discover more and more resources and I got into your blog as well and your podcast. Uh, so that's that's basically how, how, how I started, right? So for me, I would say what made me start in terms of uh, financial independence was the concept of paying yourself first, right? So to, to give you an idea, Matthias, so I started mm -hmm. in Google in 2014. Uh, and From 2014 till 2017, I basically saved zero euro of my income, right? So I was basically spending uh, everything that I was getting uh, from my salary, right? But then mm -hmm. I decided, okay, that's not the right approach, right? So, uh, and I started to discover some resources and uh, specifically I read the book, The The Richest Man in Babylon, where it was explained perfectly uh, the concept of paying yourself first. And so that was the, the beginning. And then where I realized, okay, actually, you have to pay yourself first in order to save money. Because otherwise, if you arrive at the end of the, your month and you say, okay, let me save what is left, the majority of the time, uh, I had zero, right, at the end of the month. 
So that was the, the beginning for me and how I discovered the, uh, then financial independence. And what you also can see is that the, the, the basics of financial independence are pretty powerful because um, <laughs> you just need to, it's pretty simple, but, and I always forgot about it, that, that I just do it since years, mm -hmm. uh, that I just transfer at the first of the month, I transfer a big chunk of the money yep. uh, to investment account or somewhere else or hide it, just hide it for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, you, that, that's something everybody um, uh, should implement, I guess, yep. unless there's a better idea. Um, another question, what, what did you buy from all that money in, in, in this year uh, since 2014? Yeah, uh, so that's a good point, actually. So uh, before uh, discovering the concept of paying yourself first, I was, you know, spending uh, the majority of my money in, uh, you know, going out, restaurants and clothes. And another, so the second learning for me was to discover the concept of a minimalism. So I, I, I assume that uh, all of you are familiar with the uh, documentary uh, of The Minimalist that is available on Netflix. And that's actually something that made me realize that the majority of things that I was buying were pointless and useless, right? So to give an idea, there was one time that, you know, I went to, to Zara and I still remember that day, right? I went to Zara and I spent basically 400 euro in, uh, in one day with things that I really didn't need, right? So that, that was the, the, the problem, right? But yeah, uh, the problem is also the quality of the clothing. Yes, and, as, it's, as, it's, well, uh, <laughs> as well, as well. The problem is also the quality of the, of the clothing, right? So I was basically buying so many things that I, I didn't need at the end, right? But I didn't realize it. And there is also a nice concept here because, you know, uh, I was reading recently the, um, the book um, the, Your Money or Your Life, right, by Vicky Robin. And it's mentioned there that even if you go back and you realize what you did in the past, you still have to apply this concept of no blame, no shame, right? Because you don't have to blame yourself for what you did, but that was actually for me the learning so I take all this money that I spend there as a learning from what I can avoid in the future, right? So it's a basically uh, an investment in, into learning um, that you spend all the money. Um, you could have just um, you could have just learned this in, in one year. Yeah, and <laughs> just just spent uh, all your money in 2014, yep. and then uh, noticing, oh look, nothing left. Yeah. But, you know, at the time I was 24, 25 years old, so definitely the, the priority at the time was, uh, was going out with friends and, you know, going out mm. for dinner. So that, that's why... I, that's, that, that's why, exactly. That's why at this point I, I didn't learn this, uh, this, uh, this concept, right? Yeah, you, uh, right now I have the feeling that you also can impress girls um, if you just pretend or oh, you are a minimalist. Mm -hmm. So that could also be uh, very attractive. Yeah. And uh, also, right now, but, but, yeah. yeah, I would like to add as well that, you know, a big contribution for the minimalism is actually uh, was done uh, thanks to my wife, right? Because uh, when, I, when I met her, she was already into the, the minimalism and, you know, she was buying only a few things, but high quality. And she also helped me a lot in terms of, okay, why you are buying so many things in Zara when, when you don't need it at the end? Or I, I remember, you know, our, our first date, right? when uh, I showed her how many shoes I had and she showed me how many shoes uh, she had and she was like, oh my gosh, you have more shoes than me at this point, right? So, and that's when we started to have this conversation that I realized, okay, maybe there is really something wrong here. 
right? Yeah, it sounds a little bit like my wife. Um, <laughs> she also told me, why do I need it? You, you have it all in the flat and she just sold my <laughs> my shoes <laughs> and my clothing. And um, yeah, she still has uh, less, uh, less shoes than me. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, good that we um, have the girls and the yes. wives uh, who tell us about the important things in life sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then you just started saving because you were not allowed to spend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you were forced to save. And um, what did you do then? Uh, mm -hmm. Any strategy how to accumulate your money? Yeah, so basically there were two things I, I think that, you know, because of in, during these five years, I, I was promoted, right, within the company. So definitely my salary increased, right? So, but so many people, they still get into this problem of lifestyle inflation, right? That, you know, you increase your salary, but then you increase as well your monthly spend, right? Because maybe before you were earning X amount of money, now you're earning 50% more. Uh, or 20 or 30 percent more, and uh, but you still continue to spend uh, how much you earn, right? So that's actually one point. So, what I started to do is applying really the pay yourself first. So, in, uh, in 2018, I started to basically save, uh, like you know, a small amount of my salary. So, I didn't have any goal at the end of the year, I just wanted to. To start saving, and I tried to apply the 52 weeks uh, challenge, right? So that starting from the week one, I would save one euro, and then going forward, forward, and forward in 2018. So that that was my first strategy on how to educate myself in being comfortable with the saving money, right? So that that I think if you have problem with spending, this will be the first step that I would recommend anyone, right? To start with the 52 weekly challenge. So that uh, that helped me a lot. What is the 52 weekly challenge? I yeah. don't know about it. Is it some Instagram um, challenge? No, uh, <laughs> I don't remember exactly where I found it, but you know, I can I can send basically this uh, uh, this link as well later. So what is in, in a nutshell, the 52 weekly challenge? So it's basically for someone that, didn't start uh, saving at all, and you start saving one euro in your week one of uh, a new year. Then you go on the week two, two euro, week three, three euro, and so on and so on, until you arrive at the end of the year, where in the last week of the year, you will save 50, 50 uh, to euro, right? Ah, yeah. And so and you gradually get to the habit of, of, of saving, and in the first in yep. the first weeks, it, it doesn't hurt so much yep. because it's uh, just a low amount. Yeah, it's like boiling the frog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, you can even customize it as well. So the way I was doing it, you know, I realized that maybe saving one euro was, you know, too easy. So I started by saving. So I start the weekly challenge with the five, and then I was adding five, five, five more at the end of uh, of the year until I arrived basically at uh, at one week. I remember it was, you know, don't remember which week was exactly, but I arrived at the week where it was 100 euro, right? So I was basically saving 100 euro per week. Yeah, that's not not that bad, I yep. would say, for, for, for the start. Yep. Yeah, it's also uh, what is a concept um, from this money, your your money, your life. Um, mm -hmm. No blame, no shame. It's, I think it's also uh, really important that you, you take this as a learning and mm -hmm. because you can't change the past, it doesn't bring you in a good mindset if you if you just say, oh, look, I have spent all of the money all the yep. time. But it, because in the end, you spend it in, in nice restaurants and with friends and so yep. on. So it, 
was not not that bad. It's just not helping to to get rich and uh, get FI. So um, also you spend it on experiences. So not yep. so bad, and you help the economy and so on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Uh, I mean, I didn't spend it. Uh, you know, the majority on clothes, right? The majority was mm. on experiences, right? So mm. that's why I. I even consider it not even to blame myself so much because at the end there were experiences and memories that you know I, I will remember, right? Mm. Would you say um, right now? I mean, normally uh, under normal circumstances you would say, "Oh no, I, I should not spend too much going out and so on." Mm-hmm. And um, but right now, I think the most people in, in this Corona crisis we have yep. right now, uh, most the most people suffering um, most of Corona crisis are mm-hmm. the small business, so the shops. Uh, hairdresser, uh, restaurants, um, event locations, and so on. Um, would you say it might make sense from a solidarity principle to to spe- spend a little bit more right now mm-hmm. than, than usually? Yeah, there are actually, you know, uh, th- there are two ways on how you can tackle this, right? So because you are not going out, you can save more. So that's one, uh, one approach, right? But the second approach as well is that we need to help the businesses that, you know, are have zero cash flow at the moment, right? So uh, I'm in touch with the, um, some Italian organization in Italy that they are trying to help businesses to create uh, coupons so that, you know, you can buy, uh, I don't know, two pizzas now. And then as soon as the restaurant is open, you can go there and maybe enjoy four pizzas, right? You can bring some other friends and you can, uh, you can get uh, other pizzas, right? So... Definitely, I believe that this is also a good time, you know, to, to give back, and especially to the restaurants that are not able to, to deliver at home, right? So that they are completely closed. Yeah, we have the same in, in Cologne right yeah. now. It's called Wedel, Wedelretter. It means mm-hmm. uh, district rescuer. Or yep. something. <laughs> something like that. So it's just a web, website where a small business can upload their logo and, yep. um, and um, you can buy a coupon from them for different things and they get right they get the money right now on their yep. bank account and you just they just have to deliver uh, later the only thing the only thing or risk you you have maybe is that they are not there anymore later yeah that's that's a good point yeah <laughs> um but it helps them at least um i mean the the governments um also they have some funds um, to rescue small business mm-hmm. and they also, um, yeah, providing loans for them, but the government is uh, normally is, is really slow, so they need some time to um, get the infrastructure up and running to yep. provide these loans. And maybe not every small shop is getting a loan or want to want a loan because they cannot maybe pay it back in the next two years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. So I'm not sure how to tackle this. Maybe also you could, um, for example, there are some people like a coach, a trainer or a yoga studio. They can also provide their classes online. Yes, yes. So you could maybe spend some money uh, online and also learning something. I think um, it's um, this Corona thing is, is a pretty good opportunity to change your habits. Yes. Uh, for me, I changed the habit uh, what I eat. Because I have can cook at home, so I'm, I'm more flexible and can can try out a new diet. Yep. Um, also, I'm not going into coffee shops anymore because uh-huh. they're closed. So I can cut back on on this uh, terrible habit. Yep. Sometimes. 
Um, yeah, that's why yeah. I was saying. That's why I was saying, right? That you know, it's a big opportunity uh, if you want to start saving right now, right? Because if you had the excuse in the past that you were going out, you know, for every weekend or at least Friday and Saturday to have a dinner outside, now you have the possibility, or you know, you are forced to stay at home. So uh, this is, I would say, the best moment to start in uh, savings and in potentially investing uh, as well right now. Yes, you. Yeah, you can and. Because the stock market is low, and you also have you you cannot spend so much on mobility. You cannot mm -hmm. spend so much on restaurants going out. Yes. So what I do is is buy better quality in the supermarket or local local farmer markets, mm -hmm. because yeah, there's just more money in the budget, <laughs> and um, really delicious. Um, but you can also, of course, um, save some money. And uh, right now, I think there's uh, there's uh, some opportunity. Yep. But before we talk maybe about this. Let's talk about um, how you invest right now, because you mentioned that you um, um, saved a lot of money and you now get you got used to the habit of um, saving a couple of hundreds of yep. um, uh, per month. Uh, so what are you investing in right now? I'm curious. Yep. That's a good question, Matthias. So basically, before mentioning on what I'm investing, I would say that another thing I did uh, with uh, for having you know my, uh, let's say, calm mind uh, while investing uh, is to have a, uh, an emergency fund, right? So as well, after learning from different books as well, one of the main advice that I gathered online was that if you want to start investing, you need to have first an emergency fund, right? So that's what I did in 2019. So to put it on a storyline, right? 2018 is when I started uh, to uh, save a little bit with this 52 uh, weeks challenge. While 2019 was the year for me of having six months uh, emergency fund in my saving account. So that's where uh, as well I started to think, okay, now that I have my emergency fund in, uh, in my saving account, that's the moment when I can start investing, right? Uh, so, and this brings me uh, now, you know, to, to my portfolio, right? So, so I, I in basically invest in, in, uh, in different things. So one of them is the stock market. And here I would say it's mainly passive because I didn't choose the investment. Let me put it in this way, because as you know, when you join a tech company like Google or Facebook or Uber or Amazon, you also get some stocks, right? So when I joined back in, uh, in 2014, I got Google stocks, right? And at this point, I, I didn't sell them, right? So I would say I'm investing in stock, but I didn't proactively choose on which stocks I want to invest. And so that's one part of uh, my portfolio. But definitely in, at the end of the year, I would like to uh, diversify my portfolio because at the moment it's stock only Google because I, I work for Google, right? But I want to diversify it uh, into an ETF found by the end of the year. So that's my, my first asset. Uh, the second one, uh, it's a P2P, uh, so peer-to-peer -peer lending and specifically on Mintos. So that's where I basically put the money that I'm currently saving. That's the second one. And I basically discovered Mintos after reading, you know, a lot of financial independence uh, uh, blogs. And, you know, the way I, I've chosen Mintos was the following, right? So I went on different blogs. And I started to read, okay, which one was the most mentioned and the most common platform in all the blogs? And Mintos was always the number one, right? It was Mintos, 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 Mintos. In every uh, personal blog I went, everyone was mentioning about Mintos. 
and also I read uh, online that you know was it's let's say in the peer-to-peer uh, lending world is one of the let's say safest right because it's it's the biggest one. So that's that's my uh, second investment uh, asset. Uh, then the third one will be the retirement plan. So I have two retirement plans, one in Italy and one, uh, one in Poland, because in Poland as well, uh, if you join a company, you can get a match of your salary uh, by your employer, right? So for example, I decide to put uh, you know, 3% of my salary and then the company will give you a match uh, for, for, uh, for the other 3%, right? So that's as well something that uh, I'm currently investing in. And... Uh, at this point, I think that's that's my my portfolio, right? So I'm trying to look into real estate, but I'm a bit skeptical, honestly, uh, because I'm not a huge fan of debts, right? Because the majority of uh, the blogs that I read uh, about, you know, investing in the real estate market, they always mention, okay, you put I don't know, twenty percent, ten percent down payment, and then you have to take a mortgage, a loan for 80%, 70%, etc. right? But I don't know, for me mentally, the concept of having a debt is something that uh, I'm not comfortable with, right? Maybe it's, my, it's one of my limits, and I'm trying to get in touch with people that did it. So I basically, I go to them, it's like, convince me to invest in uh, uh, real estate, and then I see if I really feel like it or not. Right, uh, but currently I, I'm not uh, investing in, in real estate. All right, so maybe first about uh, Mintos. Um, yeah. I think you 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 read it everywhere, everywhere, and so on. So, but in the end, of course, they have also some incentive. Uh, yeah. The bloggers um, because of the affiliate links and so on. But of course, um, you read it everywhere. So they are the, the market leader in Europe. And I don't think it's it's safer than yep. other platforms too yep. much because Mintos can be Mintos or can be Mintos yep. because and Mintos is a platform. Okay, so they have a um, big platform. Also has big, they have also big funding um, from venture capital. Mm -hmm. But of course, you can also have good investments and bad investments in, on Mintos because it's a platform. So right now in the in the crisis, uh, I'm monitoring very close. Uh, mm -hmm. Also in Mintos, uh, where I'm invested and looking for the allocation to the different um, loan originators, mm -hmm. I'm looking for liquidity, how, for how long, what the time horizon is um, when it's invested. So um, there, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of analyzing you, yep. you should do uh, right now in Mintos, but at least it's, it's more secure and also more diversified than other platforms. Yeah. That are not really a platform. Maybe they yep. uh, that are just maybe they are a scam, right? So they are a scam, yeah. but they, but they also maybe they are just much smaller and they have cash flow problems. Yeah, uh, like a group here right now, or yeah, I mean, and they also sometimes have problems if, if, if with the cash flow because there are new laws by the government mm -hmm. that somebody who cannot pay the debt. Yeah. And that they that you cannot just force them to liquidate uh, the collateral, so they don't have to sell their real estate or their uh, the collateral they mm -hmm. they placed. Um, so um, that's a problem also for platforms that are short in 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 funding. So yeah. if you have big platforms with um, good business model and a lot of cash yeah. reserves, then you might be safe. But uh, I would I right now. 
would reduce a little bit on peer-to-peer -peer or yep. uh, try to manage the, the risk more closely. Um, the other thing you mentioned is um, also real estate. I think it's a, a valid. Um, so what you have seen in the last years was that they also mentioned, look, you can you can buy real estate, you can do 100% financing, uh -huh. and um, you can then you can then have the property and you can buy another property and and so and and right now there's really um, they really a lot of people have difficulties uh, yes. in the in the real estate. A community, um, so they they now recommend to have a more solid uh, financing of of a, of a real estate deal. It's still, a good deal is a good deal. Yep. But um, you should, I think, also if you wait a couple of months, uh, it won't hurt. Uh -huh. uh, I I also um, I'm also in the in the process of uh, buying real estate, but I also don't uh, don't have. I also pay a lot of cash. Um, yeah. Um, because. Uh, I don't want to have the cash in my accounts mm -hmm. because I talked to my my grandparents and they said, uh, "Look, Matthias, uh, the currency is is also not uh, the most uh, secure thing in in the world yep. because they they went through some crisis where they had new currencies, uh, but and they had suddenly half of the value in in their accounts. Yep. So um, they also yeah suggest to to. Uh, put money into uh, real assets yep. instead of just the currency where you need to have trust into it. Yeah, that's a good point. So also some people say cash is king. Yeah. But too much cash can also be uh, dangerous. Yeah. Um, Honestly, apart, as I mentioned before, that's a, that's a good point, Matthias. And, you know, as I mentioned before, the only cash, let's say, that uh, I have at this point is the one that is on the on the saving account, right? That it's available from tomorrow. If I want, I can get it, right? But like physical cash at this point, or, you know, uh, as well amount sitting in my bank account, I try to keep it as minimum as possible, right? So in order to cover only uh, the monthly expenses and, you know, the monthly budget with uh, together with my wife, right? So... Everything else, I try to allocate it somewhere else instead of, you know, there taking dust, sitting there in the bank account taking dust, right? Yeah, I mean, you need your emergency fund. Um, yeah. But obviously, I mean, you you work in Google. Uh, you also, if there's an emergency, you can also get a loan. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's true. Uh, but as I, as I mentioned before, I'm not a huge fan of the concept of the loan, right? So it's something that personally I would like to have a debt-free life, right? So, because mentally for me, the, the concept of having a debt uh, with someone, even though if this debt, you know, generate cash flows with a uh, with, uh, rental property as well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that comfortable yet, right? That's why I said maybe it's one of my limits, right? So... Um, I think it may, maybe also has uh, to do with the uh, competence, your area of competence, because mm -hmm. when you see your, your, your story, you just um, started on saving, you yep. then started investing, you have your pension scheme and so on. And then maybe you now you, you're just in the middle of starting to invest in your own ETF. Mm -hmm. And then the next logical steps maybe would be to pick some stocks mm -hmm. or then the next step would be um, also to, to work with leverage, um, either with options or with maybe um maybe real estate yep. so that's um i think um it's a little bit later yep. for you so you have to get used to it and to feel comfortable because the the the, the risk 
in depth and also leverage is that you cannot manage it, that you don't yep. have the knowledge. I think that's a, that's the risk um, in in leverage, and that's why you should maybe don't do it right now, or you, you can just try with a small portion yep. of money that you can lose, that you see how 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 it works. Yep. So in the the retirement plans, um, mm -hmm. I'm also curious. Do we have one in Italy and one in Poland? Because yep. One country is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because the one that I started in Italy was even before, right? So I basically started when uh, I was at university, so to just to have some uh, some funds there and, uh, and to save it there. Uh, and then I decided, okay, I have it there, so let's continue to, to do it, right? So that's why I still keep both because, you know, uh, the one I have in Italy, it's in Euro, while the one in Poland is with the Polish currency as well, right? So it's with the slot is the Polish currency. So I try to say, okay, let's try to keep both, and you know, you don't pay taxes on it, right? So that's uh, that's uh, that's my strategy for these two retirement plans. I think the the, the problem in Germany with the pe pension plans is that um, you have a high fees for these mm -hmm. products that are issued by insurance, mm -hmm. and um, that, that you cannot invest in every type of asset. Yep. So you they favor also um, costly funds. Um, that maybe has have um, maybe two to five percent uh, fee in mm -hmm. the beginning. That's that's one of the problems. And if you, for example, have um, a pension scheme with your company and then switch to the job, you often cannot migrate it to your new employee. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, I think it's not very attractive in 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 Germany. So what? How is it in 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 Poland? Can you also take it with you, um, the pension scheme, to another? Yeah. So um, the, there are some limitations, right? So, for example, imagine if I will leave Google, uh, you know, right now. Uh, so there are two parts, right? The parts that are my contribution, right? And then there is as well the uh, the, the company contribution, right? So for, for my part, I can take it as well. So I, I can move it to to another, and you know, I can take the cash and you know, I move it as well to to another platform but for the company one uh, I would have to wait five years from the moment I started the uh, retirement plan right so that's the, the only limitation that uh, I have currently with the with the company retirement plan and how's about the fees you have to pay the fees uh, I think at the moment with the one that we get from the company uh, if I remember correctly it was around one percent like you no know, it was not uh, was not that big. And it's invested in, in stocks or yeah. in bonds? Uh, so or you can choose the diversification, right? So I decided to uh, to invest it like 20% or 30% in stocks and the rest in on a stable uh, fund, right? So the one that uh, obligation, right? So the, um, uh, is it called the, uh, obligations, I think, in or, or bond in, uh, in English, right? Um, maybe yeah. <laughs> it's like basically a stable fund. So the majority of the percentage that I I collected was you know on the on the stable fund, while thirty percent was on the on the stocks. And um, is it in the end is it an ETF in the background or is it really funds? No, no, it's really fund. So there is not an ETF. So it's uh, it's actually called MetLife. So it's uh, from mm. MetLife uh, fund. Yeah. So um, are there any any uh, fees that the management fees that you have there in the during the no, year? No, no, no. There is no management fee there. That uh, I cannot imagine yep. that there's no management fee. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's done, you know, with the company, right? So they don't uh, they don't take you uh, this management fee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. So um, 
And then we, we talked about um, status, uh, how you invest and how you save and also about um, yeah how, how you see how you see debt and so on mm-hmm. and um, so maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into into so Poland life yeah so what would you say is is different in in Poland to other countries are there certain op- opportunities you don't have maybe in Italy or in in the Netherlands yeah um, What do you think? Yeah, so basically what made me decide to move to to Poland is the number of opportunities that you have in terms of, uh, you know, uh, looking for a job and, you know, finding actually a job, right? So if I remember correctly, the latest figures uh, of uh, unemployment in Poland, like I remember in Warsaw, it's a 1% unemployment rate. I think in uh, in Krakow as well, it's around, uh, if I remember correctly, 3-5%, like, you know, really, really low one unemployment rate. And uh, the advantage basically for me was that uh, speaking English plus an, a European language, so for example, for me, it was English and Italian, uh, allowed me to find the job uh, 10 times easier compared to, to Italy, right? So the example that I always do uh, with, uh, with my friends is that if I would have to find a job in Italy as a new graduate, I would go through internship, uh, you know, non-paid internship in, in Milan, where a room would cost you around 500 euro, right? And you are not paid, right, for this internship. Or the majority of the time, maybe you are paid 500, 600 euro, or let's say 800 euro, but at the end of the day, you are still living in Milan, a very expensive city, right? While here in Poland, the majority of the time, you start with a two-year contract, and definitely uh, you can get uh, even a better salary than while starting in Italy, right? So... That was for me a good uh, indicator. Okay, let's start in Poland. And as of today, I believe it was uh, the, the best choice for, for me because the Polish market in terms of jobs, companies and opportunities is growing uh, and it continues to grow uh, every year, right? So to, to give you an idea, right? Uh, you, you are German, right? And uh, German-speaking uh, employees are in high demand here in Krakow. And for example, every company here in Krakow that uh, is looking for a German employee, so a German-speaking employee, they provide the language bonus. And to give as well uh, an additional number, uh, I read that the German-speaking salary in Krakow is increasing 5% every year, right? So as you can see, there is a really high demand for uh, people that uh, speak English plus another European language and in this case, specifically Germany, because Krakow is a really famous hub when it comes to outsourcing, right? So there are so many companies here that they have uh, their outsourcing uh, hub here, and, you know, there are big companies uh, that are here. So at the end of the day, for me, why Poland is a good decision for someone that would like to start? Because I believe that later on in your career, uh, if you reach, let's say, uh, average uh, high position in one of these companies, you will get a better quality of life compared to, let's say, Dublin or uh, London or the Netherlands, right? Or, or Germany, in my opinion. Because to, to give you an idea, right, I was, uh, I was researching and, you know, there was one article that I read, I think, two years ago that was really interesting for me, is that If you put it in perspective, right, there are 40 million Polish citizens in uh, in Poland. So there are 40 million inhabitants in Poland, right? And only one million of them 
are getting a salary of uh, more than 85,000 sloty per year. And to give you the euro equivalent is around 19,000 euro per year, right? So mm-hmm. only 2% of the population is getting more than 20,000 uh, euro per year, right? And this is not a net salary, right? It's a, uh, is a, is a brutto salary, right? So, and for me, that was interesting, right? Because here, if, as I mentioned, if you can get a job into a good company like Google, like Uber, or, you know, other companies that are here based in Krakow, like Gemini and, you know, other, other of these companies, you can easily save uh, a big amount of money compared to uh, other countries. Plus, you will enjoy a better quality of life because of the low cost of living uh, in, uh, in Poland, right? So uh, you are from Germany, Matthias, and t- to give you an idea, mm-hmm. uh, here one, uh, one beer costs uh, two euro, right? One zero five in Krakow will cost you two euro, more or less, right? And for me, like, you know, compared to Italy, when I go to grocery sh- for grocery shopping, uh, I would save here an average of 20-30% compared to if I would do the same shopping in, uh, in Italy. Yeah, but you don't have the sun, and yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. But actually, actually, that's also a good point, right? In terms of the sun, because uh, the first uh, summer that I spent in Poland, right, was 2014, 2015 as well. I was surprised that you can arrive in Krakow at uh, 32, 33 degrees during summer, right? So in my mind, I had this picture of the cold Poland, you know, winterish Poland, but. During summer, you can easily arrive at 35 degrees uh, in Poland. Yes, in, in summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think for people from South Europe or from East, East, East uh, South Europe, mm-hmm. um, it might be a really good opportunity to go to Poland. Yeah. Uh, because of the outsourcing, I also work together with um, um, yeah, call centers that, that help people in, in German companies or in mm-hmm. the UK to... Um, as a IT support, for example, or a customer support. And then I can imagine that people who are, you can speak another language that they are in high demand. But the jobs are, are outsourced from like Germany because you don't want to pay somebody doing it in Germany. Mm-hmm. And you also don't want to do it because it's, it's a, a job that can be standardized mm-hmm. in a high way. And, um, yeah, and you don't want to do that um, standardized work yep. anymore in Germany for some reason. But maybe it's a good opportunity um, for the people in, in, in Poland or other countries to learn about this technology. Yeah. And um, as you mentioned, the costs are very, very low, yep. um, especially for rent and, and, and food and so on. And they have really good food in Poland. Yep. Um, so the, I can imagine that the quality of life is really good yeah, um, and- there and I, if I, if I can add, actually, there was one of the benefits that for me, like, you know, was, uh, was really interesting while I got the, the offer. And, you know, the majority of multinational companies, here they give you a card that is called the multi-sport card, right? So with this card, you can go uh, for free, right? Because it's paid by your company or sometimes you just have to pay an additional, I think, uh, 10 euro per month or, or even less, right? So some companies, they are paying it fully. Some other companies, they uh, ask the employee to pay, I don't know, 10, 15 euro per month. And with this card, you can uh, go to all the facilities like sport facilities, yoga studios, uh, swimming pools, etc. for free. 
So imagine that's also another thing that you know you you can save. That's one thing, and the second thing is the um, private medical insurance, right? So again, the majority of multinational companies here in Poland they provide you uh, like you know fully expensed private medical uh, insurance, and you know that that's actually a really good benefit. So. To give you an idea, right? When uh, the first thing that for me was really shocking that when I arrived in Poland in my second year, you know, I went to the dentist and you know, like you know, some normal checkups, etc. Uh, in Italy, if I would have gone to a private clinic, I would have paid I don't know 20, 30, 40 euro for for this uh, for this service. While here, it was already covered in my uh, in medical uh, medical healthcare plan, right? So. Another thing where you can save money compared to, to other countries that they don't offer this opportunity, right? Yeah, so um, pretty good, I would say. I mean, I was a bit uh, surprised when I was in Krakow um, about the beer price. It was <laughs> really expensive. But yeah. on the other hand, uh, it looked like a little bit like Berlin, so really yeah. trendy and so on. You need, uh, to go, you need to know where to go, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I mean, in the, in the 90s, it was much cheaper in, in mm -hmm. Poland, uh, the beer. But yeah, also uh, <laughs> inflation, you know. Yeah. And I was reading that Airbnb is pretty good in, in Krakow because you can get, rent a, a flat really cheap mm -hmm. and you, the, 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 the amount you can make on Airbnb is pretty high. Is, is Airbnb still allowed in, in Krakow? Yes, it's, uh, it's still allowed uh, as far as I remember. Uh, and it's actually there is a huge demand for Airbnb because, you know, Krakow is a super touristic city and I think the most touristic one in uh, in Poland, right? And and it's not only a seasonal tourism, right? Because people, they come throughout the year. So it's not only a summer or winter tourism, right? So definitely, you know, I, I have friends of mine that as well, they, they own apartments and they use it on Airbnb as well. So they, they put it on Airbnb. So that's it seems a pretty good business as well. Yeah, maybe also for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Maybe in the future. Uh, you don't need any debt for it. Yeah. And um, because it's arbitrage. <laughs> and uh, what do you think is the, the what, what's maybe different in Poland in, in terms of culture? I mean, you have always these money beliefs um, mm -hmm. that, that you get inherited from your parents. Um, uh, what do you think, what do normal people believe about money in, in Poland? What normal people believe about money in Poland? Mm, I would say depends with whom you talk, right? Uh, yeah, because uh, I, 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 I'm quite living in, in a bubble, I would say, because there are two different type of Polish realities, I would say. So there is the, the one from cities like Krakow, uh, like Warsaw, like Wrocław as well, that, you know, they are very multinational cities, like, you know, a huge uh, community of expats, you know, huge community of Italians, for example, right? That's one part. And, you know, for them, uh, what they think about money, I mean, it's, uh, I would say it's pretty similar, you know, to, to what is in Italy, so I don't see any difference. Uh, but the second one, I would say that where you see the real Poland, like, you know, with the, with the different uh, type, you know, of culture as well, is when you go outside of the of the city right so that that's for me where you see the huge gap between the one percent that i mentioned before and the rest of the of the country right so that, that that's definitely for me I, i i i don't have a lot of people with whom i'm in touch from this part of the of poland right 
So that's why I'm, I'll say I'm biased because I spend the majority of the time with, uh, with expats, right? So I can't tell you exactly how uh, a Polish <laughs> person thinks uh, about, uh, about money. Where's your girlfriend from or your wife? Is she from Poland? She's from Poland. Yeah, she's from Poland as well. Yeah, but, but also part of the bubble. Sorry? Yeah, she's also part of the bubble because, you know, she speaks Italian as well. She lived in Italy. So, like, you know, I would say she's not an average uh, Polish person at this point, right? So she would be considered part of the expat bubble. And do you have other, also how big is if, if, is F, FI or financial independence in, 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 in Poland? Is, is it getting traction? And do you have friends um, in, in, in Poland um, that are also interested in financial independence and what are they doing? Yeah, um, yeah so what are they thinking? Yeah, I, I have friends that are uh, interested in financial independence and, you know, they are mainly, as I mentioned before, like, Krakow and uh, you know even Poland as well. It's uh, it relies a lot on uh, rental properties and you know uh, real estate investments, right? So that's their strategy for financial independence. So I knew uh, and I know actually three five people that you know they are trying to buy five five to ten flats and then rent all of them until they have a stable income that will allow them maybe to in the future to to quit their job so it's it's very common strategy uh to to use uh so th this is this is one part and th the first question was matthias that was um, uh, how big fi yeah. is in, in in poland so i would say it's big in terms of uh All the courses that, you know, they teach you how to, you know, buy apartments or, you know, rent it or, you know, buy it and then sell it and uh, renovate it and then sell it. So that's a big, there is a big community uh, in uh, both in Polish language and uh, as well in, uh, in English. But apart from that, um, that's why, you know, uh, for, for me, it's, it's a good opportunity because, you know, I, I didn't see many people interested in financial independence apart from the rental property and, you know, real estate uh, solution, right? So that's why um, I, I will mention it as well right now that, you know, that's why I would like to create, and actually I created a, a group uh, in Krakow uh, where, you know, I would like to gather all the people that are interested in financial independence and they are doing as well real estate, but also potentially they are doing, I don't know, peer-to-peer, -peer, investing in stocks, uh, market as well, and, you know, potentially maybe cryptocurrency, right? So I want to create a diversified uh, group instead of the 100% focused on real estate uh, groups that are, are already available right now. And uh, we also um, then will, will link um, yep. the group in, in the show notes because yep. um, maybe we have, we have also some listeners in Poland and maybe also people want to travel to Poland and find their, uh, their second home in, in your, in your um, group. They are more and than I, welcome. And uh, yeah, we, we'll link it obviously. And um, yeah, then we maybe can also finish it up and uh, ask you some additional questions. For example, where can people find you online? Yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, pretty active on uh, on LinkedIn, so definitely you know they can reach out to me. And you know if they they want to have a conversation or if they are in Krakow and they want to have a coffee, I'm uh, more than happy to to uh, show them around the city, right? And is there any resource, uh, maybe not well known, is it, um, like a book or a podcast or a PDF or whatever, mm -hmm. um, that you can recommend our uh, listeners? So everything for me started with a YouTube channel that is called The Swedish Investor. And it's basically a channel that 
does really, really well book summaries uh, about, you know, only the majority of them are around personal finance, uh, investing, etc. So that's definitely a good resource that I would recommend someone that, you know, would like to dig deeper into the saving mode on or, you know, the fire mentality as well. So in the fire mindset. We talked already a lot a bit about your start and how it all began for you or began. <laughs> and um, what's one actionable tip you can give um, our listeners who, who may be just getting started? Um, what would be one thing they should apply? Start with the 52 weekly challenge because from there you will build the habit uh, of saving. And I believe if you don't have the habit of saving, it's going to be difficult for you then to invest, right? Because at the end, you know, it's math, right? So You need to have money to invest and how you get money, either you earn more or you save more, right? So that's where I would recommend someone to start. So start with the 52 weekly challenge. Thank you, Antonello, yeah. for being in the podcast and um, yeah, see you soon. Yeah. Hopefully also in real life. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Thank you, Matthias. Hey, Matthias, do you think you're in the financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is in the end the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>